people are just people, yeah. you know, and and kind of kind of all awesome if you get to know them, if you give you know people a chance, if you don't uh, just rule people out based on the stereotype or uh, what it was like growing up around you, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that experience changed me. That was Josh Glower, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Cool. So today we've got Josh Glower, the founder, owner, the man at G10 Creative. (laughs) Um, We both start laughing. Yeah, no, no. no. I don't know what to call you. Owner, CEO. Founder. No, I'm just uh, just Josh. It's fine. Josh works. Okay. Yeah, um, so little known fact, we and and we didn't maybe even connect these dots till much later in life as we were uh, kind of knocking on the doors of forty. But went to high school together, and um, Josh has a really fascinating story that that we're pumped to uh, let y'all listen to today. So, Josh, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Tell us um, what G10 Creative is. And uh, what you guys are up to, and then and then we'll walk you all the way back to like the beginning. Yeah, sure. So G10 Creative is my production company in Kansas City. Um, we try to do branded docs, brand films. Uh, we still do a lot of TV, which comes from my backstory. Um, you know, trying to do development for cable, trying to do uh, as much local stuff as we can too to keep us from uh, not sleeping on our own beds at night, that kind of a thing. So. Um, any kind of video, any kind of uh, long form advertising, um, you know, kind of we kind of run the gambit. Yeah, it's awesome. And and you probably won't say it directly, but like really damn talented, like re- oh, like thanks, vi- like video that's you watch and you're going, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> we try we try to bring it. Yeah, you do bring it. Um, how'd you get into video, man? Like, what was kind of the what the interest initially? So I. Uh, I have a, I've always wanted to write movies, you know. Mm. Um, I grew up from uh, very, very early on. My mom has stuff that I've written, comic books that I've written, um, you know, and 40 years later, I'm still still doing it, you know. Mm. Um, video was, uh, you know, it was kind of a kind of a sidestep, kind of a kind of a lateral move. Um, I was in LA for 15 years uh, writing and producing TV, but when I got started, um, I just wanted to write features, you know, mm-hmm. and people kept being like, okay, cool. Let me read something you've written. And I was like, oh wait, I've never actually written anything. Like <laughs> I, I literally moved to LA with like a dream to write movies. I had no experience doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a degree in creative writing, but mm-hmm. that is not writing movies, right? That's sure. just, you know, putting stories down on paper. It's totally different. Um, and people just kept being like, so, so shorts, uh, just write some shorts and, and let us read them. And like, I was literally like, so naive. I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I started writing short stories because that's the only thing I knew. Right. Uh, and people would be like, cool, but like write a script, like write a, write a feature, like a short script. Um, and I was like, oh, dude, I, what's that mean? <laughs> I don't even know how, I don't even know how to do what my dream is. Right. So, um, 
I started out pretty early driving vans and stuff like that for some MTV shows, punked and um, some other shows of that era. The first punked, I'm I'm old, I'm old. Um, Puck, like yeah. First punk. Hold hold on. So you grew up in KC. Yeah. Okay. And like went to Oak Park, did the thing. Yep. What was growing up like? Where like where were you? What was that like? So I grew up in Gladstone. Yeah. Um, just just north of Gladstone. It has no name, but Kansas uh, City North. Yeah, between for me. Yeah, it's between like, Nashua and yeah. Gladstone, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, went to went to Oak Park. Um, you know, and and chased horses out of the backyard to play football and stuff like that. Like uh, literally horses. Literally, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Off North Oak when North Oak was like a two lane road oh, yeah. with ditches on both sides. Right. Yeah. So yeah. There's a little putt putt course on the yeah. west side. Yeah. yeah, there was that old drive-in. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but not putt putt. Uh, dri- uh, driving range. The driving range. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was like yeah. right across from that. That's okay. where. I, that's where I nice. lived. Yeah, um, and now it's like a freeway. Um, right. But, but uh, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, man, it was good. My parents were both teachers, so they were always around in the summers. And uh, you know, I think pretty typical uh, kind of a Kansas City upbringing. You know, my parents were. Uh, I, I feel like it was a little different because they're both intellectuals. Mm. My dad taught college and, um, you know, all my friends were parents were welders and all that kind of stuff and kind of a blue collar area. But uh, it was great. You know, um, went to Mizzou, uh, studied creative writing and film, went there for journalism um, at the time mm. it was the best journalism school and I could get in state. So yep. that's the only thing that made sense. Boom. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, I found out probably a year and a half into uh, journalism. One, I was flunking out. But <laughs> two, I decided, you know, uh, this isn't the way I want to do it. This isn't the way I want to write, you know. Huh. Um, I really like making stuff up, you know, mm. um, making the stories what I want them to be. Um, and you can't do that in journalism. You know, you can't, you can't write. It's formulaic. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. formulaic. You yeah. can't write over like an eighth grade level, you know. Um, that's what you're taught to do. And, you know, there's just, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, thank God, because yeah. yeah. the press now is like, I don't know, somewhere between garbage and martyrdom, right? Like, I, I don't really know how to look at it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, mainstream you know, media is, uh, yeah. yeah, different. It's tough. Yeah, uh, it's different. But yeah, so I, I left the journalism school um, half by choice and half by, uh, you know, being the president of fraternity and a bartender and just realizing that like, oh, yeah, I got to maybe go to the class if I'm trying to stay in the number one <laughs> journalism, journalism school. I was a Fiji. Okay. Um, what bar? Did you uh, Harpo's. Harpo's, yeah. yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So, uh, you know, I switched to creative writing, um, had, some, had some pretty good teachers that had a lot of impact on me and uh you know graduated with a degree in creative writing and an emphasis in film which means i went to like two thursday night classes that showed like (laughs) fellini movies and uh you know it was like uh let's talk about the clouds in this scene and like in retrospect i'm always like yeah fellini was a genius for making those clouds there no that's just what was there so you know, they're like, this dog barks in the scene. I'm like, yeah, now, now knowing what I know, it's like someone couldn't keep that dog quiet. You know, like that was, it wasn't like, uh, intentional, yeah, intentional, right? you know, it was folded in at the last minute, uh, you know, so, um, I, I learned, I thought I learned a That's lot, awesome. you know what I mean? And then I went to LA after, uh, after, uh, college, I finished out in LA, did some 
correspondence courses from the beach. My last course Good thesis was uh, animal imagery in Shakespeare uh, from Seal Beach, California. Boom. Had to take my final at an Air Force base uh, so someone could watch me do it, I guess. I don't really know what that was about. but um, What took you to L.A.? So I went to L.A. to write movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of this... But, like, that was, like, in the... Like, your dream was, yeah, like... Yeah, that was the dream, you know? And The West uh, was calling. Yeah, it was kind of... It was kind of muddied in between, like, A, my wife, who I've been with since I was 16, had moved out there a year before me, um, and I want to be in Hollywood to write features, but I haven't even, like, graduated yet, yeah. and, you know, I was a little bit wild and, like... Maybe I'm just going to go party, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of a deal. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of fell in. Uh, I worked with a, a director for two years um, who I was sure any day was going to blow up, right? It was totally unpaid. He, uh, you know, at first he took us to, like, Wahoo's every day and, like, to, to a restaurant, out to lunch every single day. By the end, the end of the first year, it was like he was ordering like packs of hot dogs, and we were. <laughs> my buddy Matt was eating these like bowls of steamed rice every day, and like he would tear napkins in half to split them to oh us. Oh my and gosh! Stuff. Yeah, I mean, how'd you meet this guy? He was just Craigslist. You know, okay. it was one yeah. of those deals where like, so I came from Kansas City. My parents were both teachers. I moved to LA with knowing not knowing a soul you know there's no advantage from me moving out there i didn't go to sc i don't have parents that were producers you know or uh there's no connections no no connections no no nothing man so it was like so what do i do you know and uh i just started calling places you know and i had done an internship the year before probably i mean it was a good decision uh based on me being happy where i'm at now and who knows what would have happened but sure I got offered two internships. One was at a all-female networking group in film, and the other one was at the Jim Henson studio. And I picked the all-female networking group um, because I thought I'd be able to do more, you mm. know. Mm. Um, and and it was an amazing experience mm. coming from Kansas City to be thrown into an all-female, you know, uh, situation mm. in LA and West Hollywood. And I mm. mean, I just learned so much from all mm. these women, you mm. know? Um, and it was, it was incredible for a lot of reasons. One being since I was the only guy, every single person knew my name in this yeah. like 300 per person plus networking group. Um, every single one, I could go to any event and everyone knew who I was. I was hey, just Josh. Josh. There's yeah, that, right. there's this one dude. Right. Yeah. Um, and they would take me to like, you know, after events, we would go mm. to like, you know, the gay bars and, and Mm. it was just, you know, for a kid from Kansas city, it was just like, holy crap, this is so different. Yeah. So eye opening, so affirming that like, oh, well people are just people, you know, and, and kind of, kind of all awesome. If you get to know them, if you give, you know, people a chance, if you don't uh, just rule people out based on a stereotype or uh, what kind of, kind of, uh, what 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 it was like growing up around you, you mm. know, um, and that experience changed me uh, 100%, mm. you know. So mm. ultimately it was a good decision. I probably would have been further in L.A. had I done the Jim Henson deal, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would have also been photocopying scripts and getting coffee, whereas at this group I was, you know, um, assisting like the head of this networking group. I mean, I met That's so awesome. many people and, um, 
you know. But anyway, uh, I don't know where we were at. That was that was a digression. But no, the, it was really the start. Yeah, we were yeah. we were at, at at hot dogs and steamed rice, and then got there yeah. somehow. So <laughs> so then I get then I ate hot dogs and steamed rice for a year. That's great. Um, yeah, man, and and that dude he he made a, a short film that was a spoof of a kung fu movie, shot it on thirty five, which is like what does that mean? Uh, so actual film, not video. Okay, okay, uh, and it was like a probably a forty or fifty thousand dollar gamble that he took, and which you know, at the time, I mean, at the, any time, like yeah. today, that's a big ass gamble, but yeah. like yeah, yeah, the homeboy is twenty years yeah. ago. That's even yeah. more money. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I really don't know what happened to that guy. Uh, but I stuck it out probably a year too long with him, you mm. know. Um, and what were you doing? You're shooting film for him. You're writing for him. What I was you? the director's assistant. Gotcha. So okay. I did pretty much anything and everything. Got you it. Know? Um, it was great to be on that set for that first film, especially since it was 35. They still had like loaders, and they still had like all this stuff that's gone now. You know, mm. um, negative cutting. You know, mm. um, and I worked with uh, you know some pretty cool people. Um, Nobody that anyone's ever heard of, but that's the way it is in LA, right? Huh. Like you start out on a on a level that's like these people could all be somebody, you know, mm-hmm. or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean it like in a personal way. Obviously, everybody. Yeah. I mean, they're all great people. But, yeah. Uh, it, you know, unfortunately, you get conditioned from day one. Like you're either gonna make it or you're not. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like you're Super you're constantly binary. yeah you're constantly looking for people who you think might make it, right? Because you want to be along for the right. You got to yeah. be. You got to yeah. be in the right place at the right time, and you got to know the right mm-hmm. people. Um, and you know that's uh, a pretty big reason why we ended up leaving <laughs> at the pretty, end of the day. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that. Um, How did you get into a van chasing puck down the streets of LA in his delivery bike? <laughs> like what? The, I mean, <laughs> it, when you talk about punked, it's like, dude, that's that was my. You know, formative yeah. MTV years was like, yeah, that's, that's what you think of. Right? Yeah. That or Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> yeah. Like, when I started at Punked, it was like Ashton was on set all the time. Um, I think Dax Shepard was one of the guys. Mikey Day was one of the guys. Um, and, you know, they would have no idea who I am. I mean, I was a guy driving a van. You know what I mean? Doing and what in the van? Like you, like I, I would literally cruise into the set and get shit drive, set up. Okay. Yep, I would literally drive people back and forth from a satellite parking lot. You know, because so you're pranking somebody at uh, Simon Cowell's house, and he's having this party and this big prank set up. Well, all that has to be hidden, right? So you can't have 15 trucks outside. You can't right. have you know, people going in and out, caterers going, like literally everything's hidden. I mean, it looks like there's no TV production going on there. And if you've ever seen a TV production, that's pretty hard to do, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So uh, me and uh, two other guys, like we just drove 15 past vans, like up to Hollywood Hills and back down to like, you know, the the uh, uh, Ralph's parking lot, you know, or gr- the grocery store parking lot where everybody's cars are staged, you know? Um, super easy job. I was so scared, like the whole time. I was just like, "Am I going to say the wrong thing?" Am I sure? Because you know, there's this real culture of like, "You'll never work in this town again." If you, know? you f up, yeah. And that's totally not true. If anybody's listening to this and is like going mm-hmm. to LA, like, mm-hmm. don't let anybody like push you around. Don't mm-hmm. let, you know? Like, who cares, right? Like, mm-hmm. the town's so big, and no one's going to take you as a PA and be like let's make sure this PA never works again. Like they don't give a shit, you right. know, like they really don't care. Like somebody might get mad at you, but like 
just don't just don't even listen yeah. to it yeah. you know um but i didn't know that i didn't have anybody to advise me of that so for me it was very you know what do i what do i do on set you know mm. i've never been on set mm. you know i have no training in any of the trades on set uh you know there's union rules like you can't touch anything really unless you're in that department mm. And, you know, trying to be like Johnny on the spot, you're like, somebody, somebody will be like, I, I need this brought into set now, and it's sitting right next to you. It's like, oh, I'll pick it up and carry it in. And somebody just starts screaming at you, and you're like, oh what? My I don't know what's happening. Uh, but, you know, you learn quick, and, uh, you know, some of that culture's probably changed now. Um, there's tons and tons of stuff that's non-union, yeah. you know. Um, and there's tons and tons of stuff where it's like, oh, you're the PA, you're also the second AC, you're also the, yeah. you know, because budgets are uh, a third of what they yeah. were when I started, you know, mm. which were a third of what they were 10 years before that. Crazy. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you, you learn quick, you learn on the fly, and eventually you kind of kind of get a group of people to work mm. with, mm. and that's like your little pot of people, right? Mm. So it's word of mouth, and it's like, what's what's everybody's next show? Mm. And then you do whatever you can to go with them, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, doing doing punked was was the first like real show I did, that's you cool. know, um, and it was cool. I remember like slouching down, like trying to hide and being like watching Ashley Tisdale walk into this restaurant where they're gonna, you know, I think it was uh, he she comes out of the restaurant. And they were going to make it look like she backed into this porta potty with someone in it. Uh, I can't remember who it was in it. Um, and I, you know, I might be com confusing stories, but I, I'm pretty sure Dax Shepard was on the, on the cast and Mikey Day, uh, who I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but he's a comedian. He's really okay. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just watching this whole thing happen from hiding in a van, like around the corner, <laughs> you know? Uh, it was a, it was a crazy, Crazy way to start. And that was your first show? That was my first show. That's yeah. great. And then what? And then, like, how did that, yeah, where, so, where did that snowball kind so of So I was a day player there. Um, What's that mean? Uh, call me Thursday, I'll come in. You know, call me Got next. It. I wasn't, like, a staffer. I wasn't, Got like, a, on the crew. I was a guy who was, like, we need an we need bodies. driver. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it. call this dude. Um, my next big show was also MTV, but I think it was totally unrelated, you mm. know? Mm. My uh, wife's... Uh, and she's out there at the time. Yeah, also. she's been What's out she there. Doing? She, she works at a children's hospital. Okay, got it, got it. Totally out of the business, which yeah. is good. I think it saved, yeah. saved us, saved sure. our relationship, sure. you know. Um, but, but she had a friend that worked at the children's hospital with her whose best friend was a line producer at MTV. Um, and, you know, the story goes that there was this guy who may or may not have kind of had a crush on her the friend, uh, and this story is probably now already not making sense. Anyway, a friend of a friend <laughs> knew this guy on Yo Mama. There's this TV show called Yo Mama where Wilmer Valderrama was the host. It was uh, Yo Mama Joke Battles, you know. Amazing. Super basic show. Probably wouldn't fly in today's, yeah. uh, you know. It was, and it was a strip show, which means five days a week. So it was kind of an after-school deal. You come home from school and you watch these, quote, trash-talking battles. Right. Um and so anyway, she basically told this guy who was the supervising producer to get me on the show as a PA or whatever. Um, he knew I wanted to be a writer, so he brought me on as the writer's assistant, right? Cool. So um, to me, this is like, you know, I'm going around. I'm going around telling everybody, you know, like I'm a writer's assistant because, like, I wanted to go <laughs> out there and write. I had no idea how it was going to happen. 
I had no uh, connections. I had no way to really make that happen, you know, and the, the, all the adages about LA, you got to know the right people, all this kind of stuff. But that was Mm -hmm. just right place, right time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, and that show, like if, if, if I had a big break kind of moment, it was that show. Um, The first day I walked in and I just sat there and it was like, okay, the rider will be here, you know, in 20 minutes or whatever. So I just go sit and I'm just like trying to act busy and like walking around getting coffee all the time. Just so it looks like I'm moving, you know? Uh, and awesome. the, the writer never showed up. So Whoa. like literally, you know, maybe right. This is a stupid question. Yeah. They're writing for that exact day, like on the spot. No, we were, I mean, this is probably two weeks, three okay. weeks ahead okay. of production. Uh, you know, you got to get to know. So it was Wilmer. Uh, this guy, Jay Boogie, I can't remember his real name, and Sam Sarpong uh, were the hosts. Okay. And uh, so we were writing for them. We were writing their intro copy and that gotcha, kind of stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but the writer never shows up. The ri- so the writer never shows up, right? Uh, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I don't, I have no idea what's going on, you know, just literally no idea. And the, this guy, John, his name is Jonathan Kane, and I'm now working with him uh, again 25 years li- later awesome. on some prod- projects. Um, which is fun. Uh, he, he walks up to me and he's like, so we don't, so the writer's not here. I'm like, okay. He's like, when's he coming? <laughs> yeah. So like, what do I do? You know, right. he goes, so I know you want to write. Can you write a script? I was like, yeah, I can write scripts. You know, he was like, cool. And I'm I'm just sitting there. We're just sitting there looking at each other. And he's like, I mean, right now. And I was like, okay, sure. And I like, fumble with a you know i had never been with a mac before i didn't even know how to turn it on it was one of those bubble ones oh, with yeah, the yeah. hidden button on the oh, back yeah. he's just sitting there looking at me he's like just grab like a piece of paper and a pencil and write the script and i'm like right now and he's like yeah right now <laughs> and i'm like okay so i just i literally like he's standing there watching me. <laughs> oh that's awful and i have I a have sheet anxiety. of paper and a and a pencil and i'm just out. like and i don't know the format of the show like i don't know anything about this yet you know, and he's like, just, I mean, it's just like about a neighborhood and a neighborhood and they're going to battle each other in these yo mama jokes. And I'm just like, okay. So I literally start writing and I'm like looking out of the corner of my eye. Like he's sitting there watching me write these words, like in real time, just sitting there staring at me. And I wrote like three lines and he just, you know, I don't know if he'll remember it or remember it this way, but he just looks at it and he just goes, I, I guess that'll have to do. And he walked <laughs> off. And then I was the script writer for this show. Oh, this is so, horrible. So, yeah. awesome. So like, it was both. awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And, like, again, knowing what I know now, he was probably going to let me do it no matter what. You know what I mean? Right. Like, super chill. Because what, what are his other options, right? Super chill, dude. <laughs> and, like, these scripts weren't hard, you know? I mean, these scripts were, like, you write five lines for the beginning, like, a line in and out of each commercial, you know, and then, like, a wrap-up. And, and, you know... I, Probably not literally when we could do it, but like in retrospect, as a professional writer, it's like anybody could have done that. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and I still don't know what happened to that writer. Like, I, I wish I knew his name. I'd like try to figure out, like, was he in a car wreck? Like, right. what, what happened? happened you right. Know? Um, but, you know, he never showed up and uh, I became the writer. And I remember going to a party that night being like, dude, I'm the writer of this MTV show, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, it was totally bizarre, you know? Um, but, like, a kind of a true L.A.'s type story. Yeah. You know? That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'd heard that specific story from you, so I appreciate you sharing. Sure, man. So that was kind of like the break, and then yeah. what, what unfolded? 
beyond yeah. that. So that was considered a game show, right? And uh, I'm like, dude, this is easy. You know, I was like, I would be in the office writing these scripts, and then I'd be like, I'm going to go to set to make sure everything's going right. And and you know, that's cool. People are like, why? I mean, nobody cares if you have if you you think things are going right or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So I would go to I would leave the office. I would go to the set and be there for like ten minutes, and then I would just like sometimes I would just go home or I just yeah. go to a bar or whatever. And yeah. like, nobody had any idea where it was. Like, it didn't matter what I was doing. You wrote the words already. Yeah. Like I was like in between, like I kind of fell in, in this nebulous world of like, nobody really even knew who I was on the yeah. show. You yeah. know? Uh, in fact, I remember, uh, the big kind of rooftop battles. They'd have all these like low rider cars on this roof in LA with like the, you know, techno cranes and like all these cool, all these cool big production toys. And, uh, I, you know, my job was to be there and like make sure everything got into the teleprompter that I'd written. And I remember very clearly, and Kane, Kane and I just revisited this story like two days ago, but Wilmer would be like, he would look into the prompter and he would be like, who writes this shit? And like, this is in front of like 200 people, you know? And I'm just like wishing I could die, you know, uh, slouching into my chair. And then it's like, wait, nobody really even knows who I am. So like, it was totally fine. Yeah. But I was like, God, my career's over, you know. <laughs> and Wilmer would always be like, who writes this shit? And then, like, would basically say the exact same thing when the cameras turned on. The same thing that you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> or he would take it and use it in, like, the next line instead of the first line. And, you know, but it was very, like, nobody talks like this, you know. And it's like, well, I mean, you just did. I don't actually. know, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You just did. And I would, like, change things on the fly in the prompter. And, oh, God. Yeah, it was stressful. There was this old school teleprompter guy named Bill, and he would just sit there by me and be like, dude, just don't even worry about it, man. Just don't even worry about it. Like, it's fine. And I'd be, like, changing words, and he would help me, like, change oh the words gosh. in the prompter. Like, that dude was great. I don't know what happened to that dude either. But, uh, you know, an old, like, kind of an old union type guy, you know, just like, you know, screw these guys. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're fine, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, you find people like that, you know. I never talked to him again after that show, but – you find people like that, and you're like, all right, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, he's yeah. an ally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So so after Yo Mama, I yeah. mean, you were there for how long, 15 years? Three seasons in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, it was so like three seasons, 13 Yo Mama. and a half, okay, 14 years. I kind of round up just because it sounds better, and I was back and forth and whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, game, so that was a game show. Uh, I'm standing back at the production company when, when we're wrapping out, like, the third season, and I'm like, I don't know what else, I don't know what to do from here. You know, I was mm. like, I guess I'll go write more game shows. Mm. And I'm standing there talking to the EP of that company. And he's like, dude, you'll never get into writing game shows because those jobs are so cake and they make so much money. Like people do it until they like literally die. So you have to be one of those guys already. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And I was like, well, crap, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm like 23 or four years old and I'm I, like, well, I mean, I got to do something, you know? Right. And, uh, they were like, have you ever thought about story producing? Like, you want to write, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, have you thought about story producing? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, so I haven't, you know. Mm -hmm. and they're like, just go over in that edit bay and sit in there for a while. There's a story producer in there with an editor and just like see what they're doing. So mm -hmm. I did, I went in there and uh, story producing, you know, it's changed a lot. But at the time it was like, we're going to send, you know, 30 cameras out into the field and, you know, rig them in this house where people are living. They're sh shooting 24 hours a day with, like, no plan because it's, quote, reality TV, right? The story producer's job is to take 
all that tape and make something sensible, yeah. coherent, a storyline yeah. out of it. So it was kind of like writing after the fact. So huh. it was like you have all these puzzle pieces and you have to make them into a story. Um, and that's what story producing was when I started. So I was like, sure, man, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, it's writing Sounds scripts cool. basically. Right. Um, and that kind of evolved. So I did a couple shows as an assist and then as a story produce editor and then as a story producer. Um, but it kept evolving, right? Where it was like, so budgets mm. are shrinking. Um, at first, you know, you do a script on paper. Like I had a TV with a built-in VCR and a stack of like 40 tapes, you know, and we oh would like take gosh. one and put it in and watch it and like write down time codes. So like we were scripting with like numbers based on the time code oh on the screen. Gosh. Crazy. Super tedious, you know, and like we were, we were super stoked when that switched to DVDs. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, eventually it was like, you know, um, what, you guys, we don't need assistant editors to string this out. You guys could just string this out while you go. And I was like, okay. I'll never forget. I, I went into a, a, a show for uh, Dick House Productions, which is Johnny Knoxville, okay. uh, Jackass, you yeah. know, Bad Grandpa, all that kind of stuff. I think they're called something different now. But uh, it, it's made, their, their font is made to look like it says Gorilla Fuck, but it's really like... <laughs> It's really a gorilla, something else, but the, the one letter looks like the wrong letter. Um, I think they had to stop doing that one, but uh, <laughs> it's not surprising. Yeah, so I walk into this this lot. Uh, we have a we have an office on the lot, and I go up there, and people are showing me around. They're like, "Okay, cool. So here's your room. Here's your office, which was a, a I mean, literally a closet that I shared with someone else. Oh my gosh! And I walk in there, and there's a computer there, running Avid, and they're like, "So here you go." And I'm just like. I don't, I don't even, I don't have any idea what this is. You know, I mean, I knew it was Avid. I knew What's it was Avid. Like, so Avid's software? like editing software. Got it. Okay. Um, and it was like, okay, somewhere between my last show and this show, it's just become assumed that people are now story producers are now stringing out their own stuff. I've never used an Avid. I mean, it's like, a, it looks like a computer, but all the keys are different symbols and all this kind of stuff, you know, and uh, it takes a long time to figure out how to do mm. it, you know, and, and, I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to tell anybody. I have no idea how to do this. Opened up my laptop, pulled up. It was AIM, AIM at the time, you know? Yes. And I was like, cool. I just got on there with like three editor buddies. And I'm like, cool. So how do you turn this on? You know, <laughs> like, how do you load the project? How do you do this? How do you do that? And, you know, it was real rudimentary, but I figured out how to like take yeah. a clip and put it in a timeline and then take another clip and put it in a timeline, you know? And, uh, so we started doing that. Story producers as a whole started doing that. Um, you know, another evolution was, okay, so you've got all this stuff. You're writing a script in retrospect after it's been shot. Maybe it makes more sense for mm -hmm. us to plan some of that ahead of time so we don't waste hours and hours and hours on the back end searching for stories. Like, let's just go ahead and put uh, all these people in certain scenarios yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. So I would start doing that. And I don't mean me, like yeah, all the trade. Yeah, this is yeah. what everybody was doing, right? And then it became uh, cool. Well, why don't you, you know, you can, we can script this out a little bit. We're not going to tell them to say this, but these are the line, these are the beats we need to hit, you know, to make this story. And then it was like, cool. Well, you guys know this. So why don't you guys just also go out in the field, make sure you get what you need oh. for posts. So you're writing stuff ahead of time, you're going out in the field. Uh, to see, make sure stuff, stuff, you get everything you need. You know, there's a director there, whatever, but it's like, hey, we need this, don't forget this, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you get in a post, and you, so you now know what happened on it. set. Yeah. 
and you knew, so you knew how the story will have to change based on what actually happened. And then you're sitting there with the editing software, pulling all that into a timeline and then giving it to an editor. Um, for me, that became, uh, you know, I worked my way up to just running set, you know. Um, so I, I, I kind of uh, peaked as a supervising producer. Um, you know, the next step up is a, is a co-executive producer. And for me to make that leap, I would have to either have sold my own show or, you know, uh -huh. I mean, uh, or worked another three or four, five, six years before mm -hmm. um, that would happen. And we moved back before that happened for a lot of reasons, but um, you know, uh, it, it taught me to taught me to run crews. You know, it taught me how to do creative. You know, frankly, it taught me how to do stuff that uh, how to roll with not having an idea what's mm. going to happen. Mm. You know, um, and I think for me, you know, my style of shooting now, my the stuff that my crews do, it was like being like forged in the fire of just yeah. utter chaos. So that now, you know, we can walk into any situation. We can get a scene out of anything. We can, you know, we can direct talent who's never acted before. We can, you know, I can handle the police coming at the same time. I'm directing a talent at the same time. I'm trying to secure the next location uh, because one fell through. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and it, a lot of that was luck by the kinds of shows I was doing. Which you know. were what? What were some of the... Um, I did a lot of stuff, man. I, I did uh, MTV. I did um, four or five seasons. I did The Buried Life, um, which was a really cool show with these four guys from Canada trying to cross stuff off their bucket list. Cool. cool. Um, yeah, they were really good guys. Um, I did a lot of HGTV. I did a show called Selling LA for six seasons mm. um, that was million dollar real estate type Crazy. stuff. And yeah. Uh, I think that company was called JV Productions, um, and I give them a shout out as much as I can. They're in Toronto, um, but they were the ones that taught. I, I feel like they kind of taught me that you can do production without being a total scumbag or uh -huh. without being a dick to people, without doing uh, things the stereotypical way. Mm. You know, they were mm. very family oriented. It was a cool. family company. That's cool. Um, and you know they. They just taught. I could see them teaching the crews how to do, how to make better television and not hate it, not hate each other. You know what I mean? So um, they're a really good company. JV Productions in Toronto. They now have Radical Point Media. I should look this up. It's the second time I've told the story this okay, week, yeah. and I can't remember their other company's name. But uh, they do graphics and stuff like that, and they're cool. they're amazing. Cool. Um, so I did that for six seasons. I did lock up for MSNBC for oh, fun. eight or nine seasons, something like that, Damn. Um, which is a prison documentary. We sent crews into prisons for 30 days. And then Crazy. Uh, we would put piece together the stories. You know, that's one of the unique times where it's like, there's no do over. There's no, yeah. you don't really scout the stuff. You don't really plan anything out ahead of time. Cause I mean, these dudes aren't going to listen to you. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. Right. Right. Um, and it was, it was a terrifying experience in a way, you know, sure. I'm, I'm, you know, they would always send in this female producer because the men would talk to a female. Mm. Um, it sounds kind of sexist, but it was, it was just, that's the culture. That's in how prison, you, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate to have never had to, uh, you know, never had to go into the prisons. Um, I think I would have just immediately had a panic attack. <laughs> but, 
but uh, you know, this, these, these two or three people are going into these prisons and there's like guards and towers, you know, with rifles and Dang. it's like if something starts happening to them. They're going to try to shoot the person, you know, who's trying to assault them or whatever. I mean, it was, it's crazy. Right. Um, but she was amazing at what she did. Mm. I mean, she could get these guys to say all kinds of things. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And she's, she's done cops and live, yeah. live PD and all these kinds of shows where it's just like, you're just running with criminals, you know? Crazy man. And she was great at it. This camera guy, Brian was just knew what to do, mm. you know, just knew where things were going to happen. I saw him capture, you know, people getting slashed and holding their stomach together while they're running to like the oh my God. infirmary or whatever they call it in prisons. I can't remember. It's been a minute, but, uh, you know, just crazy stuff. Oh crazy God. stuff and and i really i feel like i really learned how to tell visual stories on that show yeah. i had some great uh executive producers and a senior producer uh who really taught me a lot about mm. telling these kinds of stories and um you know i'm grateful for that too yeah so why'd y'all leave so we left la that's a i mean you guys like yeah done the, like you'd put your time in and climb the ranks and like yeah moved up from hot dogs you know like, yeah we we did move from hot dogs and started getting getting into some cool, cool restaurants and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, honestly, it, 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 you know, the one thing that I think people really need to be careful about in our industry is, is remembering who they are, staying true mm. to themselves, mm. uh, not letting that kind of environment change you. Um, you know, we, we got to a point where it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun anymore. You know, mm. from 20, we always say from 20 to 30, it was like a big party and it was awesome. We were hanging mm. out with, you know, whoever we were going to charity things with cool bands and, you know, whatever, um, you know, going to Coolio's house, it's just like random stuff, you know? I mean, like, come on. I went to a speakeasy. You're at the Coolio's house. I went to a speakeasy that was like a real, like no one knew where it was. And like Val Kilmer's there, you know, just crazy stuff. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, but after a while it's like, you know, we were trying to have a kid. We lived in mm. a, we lived in a condo. We were fortunate enough to be able to buy a place out there mm. But it was very like, you know, is this a, is this where you want to raise your kid? You know, I worked this the, the show that kind of broke, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was very, uh, it was a it was a show about drunk kids living in a house in South Carolina for country music. Uh, it was called Party Down South, and uh, you know, we worked fifteen hour days, uh, six days a week, you know, and and seven if you couldn't get your stuff done in that time, and you know it was an experience where I walked in and they were like, cool. You know, the, the first day you kind of spend doing paperwork and figuring out where the coffee is and, and all that kind of stuff. Coffee's a through line for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, and you know, the end of that first day, they're like, okay, we need your act one done by Thursday. I'm like, by Thursday, uh, that's now three days from now. You know what I mean? Uh, and oh, the, uh, about that. that's okay. That's okay. It's probably business, probably work. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to go through like 30 days of footage mm. in four days. And these cameras are shooting it at different people at different times at the same time. So it's really more than that, you know, and then they'll have cameras just roll all night. Like there'll be security cameras and it's just like people sleeping, but you don't know what, you know, you don't what's know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And they'd be like, well, just use the field notes and kind of zero in on where you need to be. And I'm like, well, that's not really how I tell stories. I find these little nuggets that are hidden here and there and use them to bridge this and that and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, it just became a situation where it was like, there's not physically enough time, even if I work 24 hours a day to do this the right way. Um, 
and it just became, you know, uh, we had just had Molly, my daughter, who's now seven. Uh, and crushing it at swimming. She's just crushing Slaying it. people. She got a heat run. <laughs> if anybody's listening to this that's in swimming, watch out. Um, that's awesome. She's the Rudy of the team, and, and she's getting there. But, uh, yeah, I, so, so I was like, it was like Karen was a single mom, you know. Uh, I was uh. never at home. Um, so you're living in L.A., but you're on the road for these shows all the time. But in, on the road or just in the office, yeah, you know, just, uh, yeah. just just trying to get it all done. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was like it was that show where I was like, hey, I'm going to go to this Halloween parade. My daughter it's her first Halloween and all this kind of stuff. And it was like really frowned upon. You know, it was like, well, uh, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't want me to go to this thing. And I was just like, I'm going to go to this thing. <laughs> you know, like that's it. That's I'm going, you know, there's a Jeez. real there's a real culture of it you know i've i've heard so many execs just standing around being like i'm missing my daughter's recital for this and i just be like why and that's like badge of honor almost that's badge of honor yeah. you know like uh and then you they develop i don't know if it's a self defense mechanism or what but it's very like um you know oh, i have to go to this recital now you know what i mean like mm. uh get me out of this somehow maybe we could shoot something or whatever and like you know that's just not me you yeah know? Yeah, for me it was for me it's uh, quite the opposite. You know, the whole reason to work is to yeah. do cool stuff with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't be the other way around. And and I just realized right then, like, I don't care who's on the show. It's no longer cool if it's you know if Dax Shepard is getting knocked over in a porta potty. You know, like my first first show. Um, it's it it just became very apparent that these people don't care about their staff. The staff doesn't care about the show. It just it just becomes work. It just becomes a job. And I have so many people be like, "Oh, that's so awesome!" And it's like you don't really understand what it's like. You know, does it seem awesome? Yeah. Do I fly to like the Dominican to film people saltwater fishing? Yeah. But it's a job. I mean, it's it's a total grind. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's very high pressure. Like if you mess it up, you don't get it again. You know. So um, it just became a situation where it was like, this isn't how I want to raise my kid. Yeah. You know. Um, so we moved home, you know, and, and we traded our little condo for a pretty good size house. And, uh, she has a yard now, you know, we, we would watch people like teach their kids how to ride their bikes inside the parking garage. Jeez. Yeah. And you know, it's like, well, if you're from New York or whatever, LA, maybe that seems totally yeah. normal. Yeah. But if you grew up in Gladstone, Missouri, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Grass, bro. Yeah. yeah right, that's right. crazy. And like, we'd walk to the grocery store and be like, okay, we know we have to cross the street here because there's like a person living in a tent that blocks this sidewalk, you know? And like, again, that person needs help. It's nothing against that person, but I didn't want my kid to be yeah. walking around homeless tents on the way to the grocery store. So, you know, I'm glad we experienced it hundred percent. It taught me everything mm-hmm. there is, you know, about being who I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it made me a better dad. I know it made me a better producer. You know, I'm, I'm confident that we can handle, you know, anything from a $300,000 episode to, you know, down to a, you know, three or $4,000 social media video with no planning or anything. Like we can yeah. do it. Like we know how to do it, you know? Um, and it's just, uh, it's just, it was time for a different life. Yeah, man, that's cool. And, and I imagine, I mean, our, our, our journeys are, are a little, um, different in terms of the geography, but the, the, the arc is similar in that, um, you know, I, I kind of did the same thing, right? Like climbed the thing and did the deal and had like what, what most would consider like this cool gig. And it was a cool gig, great gig. Right. 
Um, but but I but I felt that disconnect between the very compartmentalized, very like emotionally unaware, <laughs> very like turned off in, in many ways, you know, taking responsibility for it. But like in many ways, because you kind of have to, you do have like, to, you kind of have to, and it's, sh- it sucks and it's shitty and it's hard. Um, but when those light bulbs started going off for me, I was like, wait a second, like this is all coming at a price, man. Yeah. Um, for sure. And, and I can only, uh, I can relate to your experience. I can't imagine from a producer perspective, like doing big shows and, and, and seeing Val Kilmer drink, old fashions, but like, um, but unplugging from that willingly and like moving to back to Cowtown America, that rattles the ego a little bit, I'm sure. And rattles the oh, identity yeah. a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Cause you've got people on LinkedIn going, well, what are you doing now? And you get, you know, yeah. like that yeah. whole thing. And I've experienced this, the, a similar path. So like, um, yeah, it's just cool, man. It's a neat. What's funny is you can, you can look back and remember when you were that person being like, why would you move back? Right. Uh, and it's, I think it's an age thing. I think it's an experience thing. I think yeah. it's obviously kids, you know, you kind of think <clears throat> kids change everything. It's like, okay, sure. But I mean, I'm going to be an executive producer. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? That's right. And then you have a kid and you're like, oh, I see. Uh, it does change everything. And, you know, there's a lot more to life than having your name on a screen on a big discovery show, which by the way, my wife points out all the time that it almost took me moving back to get what I wanted there. Right. So mm. Um, and what I've tried mean? to write what about do you mean this. By that? I've tried to write about this multiple times and I can't quite get it down, but, uh, I moved back here. Um, I got an agent. I didn't have an agent out there cause I didn't need one. Right. It was just word of mouth, but those people have put other opportunities in front of me that I wouldn't have had yeah. before. Um, I've, I've run shows here, you know, um, and I've met other producers here who I wouldn't have met in LA who I now develop with. I now submit stuff through their agents mm. Um, and at the same time, I'm doing, I'm doing my own stuff, you know, um, I'm creating stuff for, for PBS and, um, you know, really, really owning creative instead of just doing whatever people kind of tell you you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, you know, I think last, last season I missed two swim practices the entire year, you know, um, practices, not practices. Yeah. 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 Um, because I just want to be with my family, you know? Um, and that was just out of the question in LA, you know? And, and, and it was kind of like a, you know, and, and I'm kind of there now in the, in the middle, the midst of the COVID crisis, but it was kind of like in LA, it would be like, I don't like, so what do I need to do next? Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, mm. like I know I have, I don't want to compromise our lifestyle by not working. You yeah. know what I mean? But uh, I have no lifestyle because I am working. You know, so, wow. uh, you know, it's been cool. It's been cool to be back. You know, I found a pretty good support system back in Kansas City. It wasn't like I thought it was going to be. I, I kind of, you know, I was arrogant and, and had a big ego and thought, okay, cool. I'll move back to KC and be like, I've done all these shows. Bam. Who wants to give me a job? You know, <laughs> and I realized like, okay, cool. Well, there's a, there's a couple problems with that. One, no one here is, uh, at the time is like, yeah, we need to hire a TV producer. You know, <laughs> it was like, mm no, we need to hire somebody who knows how to do advertising or mm-hmm. we need to hire somebody, you know, uh, we need to hire shooters, but you're a producer. So we don't need you because we already have internal mm-hmm. uh, producers. Right. 
I didn't know any of that. Mm. Uh, I didn't know when I came back. I and this sounds stupid, like saying it now, but I thought like, well, maybe Hallmark will hire me. Like that's the only creative space I knew about, (laughs) you know? And I came back for like one weekend before we moved to just line up meetings. And I was like, oh my God, there's, you know, a hundred production companies here. And, you know, like I didn't know about any of the advertising stuff. And and I guess that's probably always been here, but why would you know that going up to college, you know? Right. Um, You know, you're not, you're not concerned with anything like that. So I, so I came back and was like, oh, there's very talented people working here, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the, the creative space in Kansas City is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very supportive um, and there's there's work to be had, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the problem for me is my skill set doesn't translate to exactly what everyone's looking for mm-hmm. um, as they come up with their own creative or, you know, they have their own uh, producers and they just need someone to kind of line produce which is budgets and logistics and money and that kind of stuff and it's like well i write and direct and you know uh it's a little bit different right so it was it was it was kind of a loss of identity at first you know it was very like oh man yeah i used to come back to kansas city and people be like what show are you that's oh my god that's so amazing and then you know very quickly became like, oh, well, you're not working on shows anymore. What are you doing? And it's like, well, I mean, I just did a spot for the Dixie Stampede in Branson, you know. <laughs> and and I, I did that with some great people who gave yeah. me a great opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, can, I can't thank them enough for giving me a landing spot in Kansas City. But, you know, it was a little bit of a, you know, now I'm telling people in L.A. what I'm up to instead of telling people yeah. in Kansas City what I'm up to. And you, it, it was a very, like cool so you just don't do this and you don't do this anymore like you don't Mm. do tv anymore you Mm. know um and and no one no one knows anything about kansas city so they don't know vml yr is here and they don't you know they don't know about barclay they don't know about all these big companies and and frankly all the small companies who are doing amazing stuff too that you know even we don't know about here in kc absolutely man um and and so so find figuring out that space figuring out you know uh it's not, you're not just cool because you used to do these shows. You're, you need to work hard. You need to uh, come up with creative that's better than the next really creative person in Kansas City, you know. Um, and, and networking and figuring out uh, allies, kind of like in L.A., you know, yeah. figuring out your allies and who's going to help you and who's going to work with you and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, doing that at 36 was difficult, right. you know. Right. You have a 20-year Rolodex in California, yeah, and you move back and you're, competing with um, people who have been shooting since they were 18 here. They've got the network and they've got the network here. Um, You know, so it's, it's starting over in a way, Mm. you know, it's, it's kind of trying to reinvent. It's kind of trying to figure stuff out. Um, You know, I think we're fortunate now that there's a lot of people doing kind of brand film work, you know, and branded docs and long, long form advertainment um, and that's kind of the sweet spot for us, you know, being able to do like doc work, which, you know, ultimately reality shows are shitty doc work. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I partner with a guy here who's a NYU grad who uh, he, he did the documentary tract at NYU. Um, and I'll tell people all day, if you can shoot a documentary in New York, you can do anything. Mm. Um, Cause you're, you're looking at carrying gear on subways and shooting in tiny, tiny spaces um, it's just a whole other thing, right? So he and I, uh, we met at the first production company I was at here. And he's insane. He's great. He's, he's insane. He's really good. His name is Evan Wunsch. 
uh, kiss punch pictures. He's um, insane. But call me, uh, and I'll hook you up with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a good shooter, and, and and he's not a shooter. He's a cinematographer. Yeah. Um, he's really, really good. He's chill. Uh, he won't he won't let you down um, to the extent of, you know, we've done a couple things, and he'll be like, I wasn't really happy with the shot. Is it cool with you if I just come back tomorrow? I'll just come back by myself, and I'll just reshoot it. And it's, it's just like that's not that's unheard of, yeah. you know. Um, and we've worked together – you know, he works with, with a few other people. I think that's great. I don't provide him with all the, like, the coolest, funnest opportunities. Yeah. Like, if you can find something else, that's great. You know, we're not uh, we're not married or anything. But uh, uh, he's been a great support system, yeah. you know, and uh, really helped me keep keep me sane. We talk about the why we're all here in, in, <laughs> in, in more of a, you know, existential way yeah. a lot. Um, but... Uh, also keeping me sane as I fall back into the LA, like, look at this guy doing this on Instagram. Mm. Why am I not doing that? And, you know, he's, he just thought like, he'll just always have an answer where it's like, um, right. But did they see their family that day? And mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, awesome. right, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and he just wants to shoot things and his fallback career is being a stained glass window artist, which he's also <laughs> very good at, <laughs> which is funny to me because it's like, oh, the, well, of course, that is. that will make you no money, but you want to do it because you love it. So yep. you're yep. the right kind of person to be around. Yeah. You know, he's terrific, man. We, we've worked on a couple of projects together, you, you and I and, and him. Um, and, and I was blown away by the, the way you two interacted with like, obviously like mutual self-respect mutual respect i don't know if that i, I think i butchered that mutual respect um but also like high professionalism and yeah. a very high standard yeah and, and 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 frankly like don't have a video background right like i know good video when i see it and, and i kind of had this like damn like these guys are kind of expensive and uh <laughs> i'd rather like you know not pay them this much to help us with this one project and the result was mind-blowing Right. And, and, and you're probably even going like, I'll oh, do that was like, a, and, and, and my, my point, we got to kind of wrap. I know you got to roll. Um, but, but the, the, you know, selfish lens here for me is like, how fun will it be when you and I and Evan and our groups and collective teams get to partner on the nine minute video that is a brand documentary or the, you know, I, I always talk about the Bud Light four minute um, YouTube video that they did when Dwayne Wade retired from the NBA and did their a Jersey video. It's a Bud Light commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it had nothing to do with Bud Light. Right. It had everything to do with emotion and, and, and yeah, connection and, and, and humanity. Sales. Yes. You know, yes. it's the psychology of what you're watching yeah. and, and tying that to a logo. hundred percent. And, and so anyway, that that's going to be super fun when we get to do that stuff together, bro. Yeah. Stay tuned. That's right. Um, all right, dude, we got to wrap. Um, we, we end every show with five questions, although Great. you're going to have to come back on again and, and continue this conversation because sure, it could go forever. Um, but what's the last book that you either read or listened to? So I am listening to, or I'm reading right now, uh, the autobiography of a yogi. Cool. Um, and it's about this guy in the Hindu faith, um, this this sounds totally like I've made this up, right? I mean, this totally sounds like I'm going to go into a podcast and I'm going to need a good answer if they ask me about what I'm reading. Um, that's legitimately what I'm reading. I mean, I read all kinds of like trashy stuff too. I love Dean Koontz. I love Jonathan <laughs> Kellerman. Um, but I read a lot of uh, spiritual stuff. Mm. 
and I listened to a lot of lectures and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that the answer? It's your answer. Dude. That that so, is what so I'm. Re- that's legitimately what I'm reading that's right awesome. now. But I'm also listening to um, Caleb Carr's "The Alienist," mm. which is cool. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I also read tons of screenwriting stuff. That's awesome. That like no one's ever heard of. Um, <laughs> Sid Field. Everyone says save the cat. If you're a screenwriter, get Sid Field's work workbook, not the not the uh, not the uh, first book. It's called Screenplay, I think. The workbook one. I went through that. Mm. It's an actual workbook. You read a chapter, you do an assignment. You mm. read a chapter, you do an assignment. I read mm. the whole book through once, and then I read it again, doing the assignments. Mm. And uh, at the end of that, I had my first feature length script written. Which that's cool. Uh, I'm talking to someone in Australia right now about funding it. So come on, first first script I ever wrote. I mean, the book's good, right? Um, you got to have a good story, obviously, and all that too. But uh, most people say take your first script and put it in a drawer and never show it to anybody. I'm like that's bullshit. Like write something good. Like just right. Don't don't just discount it. Is are there going to be problems with it? Sure. Write it, rewrite it five years later. Whatever you want to do. You know, uh, it's still the, my favorite thing I've ever read or written. That's awesome. That's so good. Um, You're like, please let the next four questions have shorter answers. No, 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 no. Because I, 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 I want to watch the damn movie. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? What would I do? If you weren't afraid. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not really afraid. Mm. Uh, so I kind of just do what I want to do, and that sounds super douchey too. You know, <laughs> it's like question one, God, this guy's a douche. <laughs> question two, man, it's really a douche. No, uh you know, I mean, things that hold me back, I guess, would be uh, kind of a different way to look at it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't borrow money. I think is one thing, um, and this is not a financial thing at all. It's just, I would rather not take the risk that I know, like, I could grow my company, I could have an office, I could have a staff by getting a business loan, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important to to remember what your actual goal is, right? So, and loving the journey that you're on, right? If I borrow money to do all that stuff, you know, you may never get to the end of your journey. Well, you do, you die, but you may never get to the extreme goal. So you've got to love everything you're doing to that goal, right? Well said. Um, And I don't want to do any of that. You know, what I want to do, you know, I think what I want to do is be an EP and have a big company and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't want to do any of the things you have to do to get to that point. I'd like to be there right now. Um, so what do I really want to do? Well, what I really want to do is is kind of lead a chill life, go on cool trips, be with my family, and write cool stuff that hopefully somebody cares about, right? So what do I need to do to get to that goal? Well, I don't need to borrow a bunch of money to try to start some business startup thing that's not going to work for me, right? Um, but I do know that some of that mindset is limiting uh, to 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 the to the to the perceived real goal, which is really artificial. I don't know if that makes sense, dude. It totally makes sense. You know, you good self awareness, man. Yeah, you can yeah. you can kind of you can kind of figure out what you think you want, and then you just got to look at. So, what do you do to get there? Mm. And then, how many of those things do you actually want to do? Mm. And you know, like I'd love to be like a singer in a rock band, but like. <laughs> Do I want to take lessons and vocal lessons and all this kind of stuff? It's like, no, I don't want to do that because I could be doing that for 20 years, never become a famous musician and hate all of the things leading up to that. Right. right? So, <laughs> um, awesome. 
I don't know. That's not the question's answer, but that's a answer it's for a some question. Answer. It's a great answer. Um, what's your favorite T-shirt? Is it the Tank Farm? Tea no, that you're this rocking? is a good one. That's uh, a good. That's a good tea. So I used to I used to get T-shirts from bars everywhere I went. Okay. I quit drinking over I don't know almost three and a half years ago now. Now I only get surf shops and coffee shops. This is an exception to that. It's a little small brand in Seal Beach, California that uh, where we used to live. It was like one of the storefronts yeah. in the old town. Um, so like if there was a if there was a, a clothing store on the square mm-hmm. that had like cool t-shirt designs, this was that for us in California. Awesome. Um, another surf, surf shop called Harbor uh, there. I have tons and tons of shirts from. I think my favorite shirt though is my... <laughs> Again, this sounds like a douchey answer, but my favorite <laughs> T-shirt is my Woodneath Whitecaps T-shirt, um, uh, which is my daughter's swim team. And it's really just because of the way that shirt feels and fits. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, it sounds like, oh, yes, yeah, he's bringing it back to family. Um, and <laughs> that's probably should. part of it, too. Sure. You know, it's just of like course. I'm proud of my daughter, but um, it just feels really, it's like a good shirt. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What did we do before soft? Like, I don't know, man. T-shirts. Like, I still, and I keep all my shirts. So yeah. I have, like, stacks of shirts I don't wear anymore. Um and I feel it. I'm like, why? How did I ever wear this? Horrible. It's like the sandpaper. shirt's awful. Yeah, the neck like hole's huge. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. I've gained 20 pounds. None of them will get, go around my body anyway. But uh, <laughs> that's yeah. great. What's your favorite place on earth? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say my favorite place I've traveled is uh, might be Dubai, might be Santorini, Greece. Um, Dubai probably wins over Santorini wow. because my whole family went. My daughter was there, and we stayed with some very good friends. Um, and that was an amazing trip, seeing mm. stuff that, like, mm. I didn't think that I would probably ever see in life, you know. Um, Santorini is probably the most epic place, the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Um, it was before we had my daughter, and we went again with a bunch of friends and got this uh, it, it, there was no Airbnb at the time, but it was basically Airbnb. And it was this like home of a prince overlooking the caldera in Santorini, Greece. Um, so it was like five little rooms around an outdoor courtyard with its own pool. And we just started drinking at nine every day and like running around this Island. And it was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing trip. Yeah. Dude. Yes. I want to go. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Last one, a little heavier when it's all, when it's all said and done. What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, I want to be remembered for, um, I want to write stuff that make people feel, mm. you know, I, I don't need to have like a big name or big notoriety, but I want to be able to create stuff that when people watch it, they just feel something in a certain way, good, bad, doesn't really matter. Mm. You know, um, I think that's the ultimate goal for me. You know, as as a creator, as a creative, mm. um, there's no there's no real point to doing what we do for any other reason. I guess that's mm. kind of a weird way to word that. But no, it's a great way to word um, it. You know, a lot of people would say it's it's for you. You know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, if I don't write today, like. I'm going to go, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to have to go get some like new meds, you know? And there's a lot of writers like that. Yeah. I'm not that way. In fact, it's pulling teeth to get me to actually sit down and write. Mm. Um, so to me, it's not, I don't love writing. I love seeing people read my writing. Mm-hmm. I think is, is a matter. And 
is a better way to kind of think of it and look at it, you know, um, and hope that they feel something. You know, if they don't, I feel like it's a failure. If they do, I feel like, cool, I'm going to write something else. Yeah. You know, that's like the drug. Oh, dude, absolutely. Of being a creative, you know, and and hopefully you can do, you can write something. I'll probably never, I won't be as profound as some Mm -hmm. great writers, but hopefully you can write something that actually does change something for the good. Maybe it's one person's mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's uh, a movement of people trying to like plant more trees or whatever it is, right? It can be anything. Um, but it'd be good to have inspired someone to do something, you know, I don't think I'm the guy to go out and do the one thing. I'm the guy who wants to write about stuff to make someone else feel like they have the power to go do something, go, Dude, go make some change. It's huge. Especially in today's climate that we're all experiencing and living in. Yeah. Um, that's well said, man. Yeah. So that's no longer, uh, doing shows of drunk people in a house in <laughs> South Carolina, <laughs> right? <laughs> It's uh, it's trying to partner with nonprofits, um, brands, brands who need uh, association, um, mm-hmm. good positive association, nonprofits mm-hmm. who don't have the money or the know how to tell their story. Put mm-hmm. those two together; it's a win win for everybody. And you know, I Evan and I get to go shoot some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we can come up with cool creative, write write cool scripts. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I find like even when we're doing these little series for KCPT about musicians or artists, um, you know, that one person is, is it, and it's not about our work, but it's just about the fact that someone took the time to care about their story. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, that's worth doing it right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we see people, you know, uh, we'll put up their story. You know, I had one guy. We uh, put his painting in a TV show, and he sold, like, a million dollars worth of paintings. Totally changed his life, you know. That's awesome. Um, and he's just a good dude. He gives back. He, you mm. know, uh, he rescues dogs. You know, it's mm. just uh, – mm. so we gave him away. He was successful already. I don't mean to say we, like, made his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, he can do more things that he wants to do. Um, mm. And I think that's cool. That's, dude, that's powerful. So powerful. Where can people follow along on your journey, man? Where can they kind of stalk you? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't post like I should, but social, you know, G10 Creative on on any social media platform. The website's g10creative.com, and it's G, the letter G, the number ten. Boom. Um, like a one and a zero, not a T E N. Um, which is just the first half of my last name. If you're drunk and can't can't <laughs> handwrite very well, G L O, but it turned into a G10. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, people can go there. You know, a, a lot of what I do is try to build up other people's mm-hmm. uh, online stuff. So, you know, we're not super diligent about putting absolutely everything on our, our feed. Mm-hmm. Like, don't look at our numbers and be like, wow, three people liked that. You know, <laughs> We're the same way, bro. Um, but hopefully the same piece is on someone else's yeah. page where they got yeah. hits. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. Or, uh, awesome. or uh, just look for me at... Uh, well, now my coffee white shop's caps. my cof- my uh, coffee shop's gone right here. They're moving. Where are they going? TBD. Okay. They're, yeah, they're they're staying close by though, which is good. That's good. I was going to yeah. say otherwise, just go look by. for me at Hammerhand because that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't know it was gone. They're staying in the neighborhood. Good, which is cool. Well, Josh, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm I'm uh yeah. yeah. I think the next show we're going to talk about is, um, yeah, the your your 
the, the deeper parts of you that, I, that you've hinted at along the way and kind of left breadcrumbs for us, to <laughs> which I can't. Stay uh, tuned. Again. Yeah, I can't wait. So you're the man, brother. Yeah, Appreciate thanks for time. having me. Dude, of course. Yeah.